0: I feel like this is really sad. It's an end of a it's an end of a, a month of yeah. guests that I enjoy having on. We'll wow, have to do you this didn't often. enjoy Listen,
1: Trevor being on? I, hey,
0: I enjoy all guests <laughs> we have. Every,
1: <laughs> everything that's beautiful has a beginning and an ending. So if it didn't have an ending, it wouldn't be beautiful. But come back mm. on for other episodes, would you? Definitely. <laughs> okay, definitely. cool. <laughs> This um, isn't a goodbye. It's, it's a, uh, see you later. There see we go. Later. And with that, I'd like to say hello and welcome back <laughs> to Fast Pass, the history podcast in close to 30 minutes or less. I'm Chris. And I'm Megan. And I am Jason. And for the last episode of this month, I'll be joining Megan and Jason to drop some knowledge on Black History Month that you may or may not have known. Now, I'd like to preface this by saying this is a topic that I chose and that I've been ranting about forever. And if you know me, you know I tend to rant a lot which is something I take pride in and have yet to officially trademark, which I call my legendary hashtag Chris Grant rants. And if you haven't heard one yet, you're in for quite the treat today. So boom. <laughs> the earliest American street gangs emerged at the end of the American Revolutionary War in the early 1780s, If I'm speculating, I would say that these were early forms of militias to protect themselves against future British invasions. Insert Beatles joke right here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But but gangs didn't become more serious until the early 1800s. The Mm.
0: early gangs in America consisted of three main immigrant groups, the English, the Irish, and the Germans, who all primarily lived in New York.
1: However, these early gangs
2: were not exclusively engaged in criminal activity. Their members often were employed as common
1: laborers. Now, these immigrant groups formed gangs in the Lower East Side of New York, known at the time as the Five Points area. Of these gangs were the Smiths-Lee Gang, the Bowery Boys, and the Broadway Boys. All three were predominantly Irish immigrants.
0: After the early 1820s, though, gangs began to focus on criminal activity, one example being the Forty
2: Thieves. The thieves consisted primarily of Irish Americans who terrorized the Five Points neighborhood in 19th century Manhattan. Pay close attention. You'll see this pattern again.
1: Oh, you will. <laughs> and uh, other criminal, gri- uh, other criminal gangs of the pre-Civil War era included the Dead Rabbits and the Five Points Gang. Are we Hmm. starting to see a correlation here? I think so. Um, The Five Points Gang, in particular, became influential in recruiting new members to their gang and establishing gang relationships with politicians. Pay attention, you'll see this again later.
0: However, these early gangs reached their peak in the years immediately prior to the Civil War and largely dissipated by the 1870s.
2: During the late 1800s, newer gangs reemerged as a criminal force in the Northeast. And they developed themselves as new criminal enterprises in
1: the American West and the Midwest. Meanwhile, Chinese immigrants began to form Tongs. Tongs are, were highly structured gangs involved in gambling and drug trafficking. These Tongs were matched in strength by an emergent Italian group, uh, crime network, that became the American Mafia. Just mm. like
0: we were telling you previously about the early gangs of New York, it was during this early period of the 1900s where Chicago gangs grew, and those gangs connected themselves politically with local leaders.
2: Mmm. Mm. Told you he was coming back. Hands back. Uh, <laughs> European immigrant groups such as the Polish and Italians formed the core membership of Chicago gangs, while only 1% of those gangs were black, and by
1: the 1930s, many of these immigrant-dominated gangs largely died out. Now, let's move over to Los Angeles, whose early gangs were formed in the 1920s and they were known as boy gangs. They were modeled on earlier social groups of Latino and Chicano men known as palomilla. Uh, These groups were mainly composed of Mexican immigrants upon coming to the United States.
0: Gangs began to rapidly increase in the 1930s and 1940s as adolescents banded together in conflict against the police and other authorities pay attention, you'll see this pattern again as well. Mm -hmm. Claiming territory was essential to these new Los Angeles gangs and graffiti became an important part of marking said territory.
2: Neighborhood identity and gang identity merged in ways unlike other parts of the United States. In addition, the gangs of the West were different in their ethnic makeup. Unlike gangs in the Midwest and Northeast, they did not grow out of social problems such as poverty, but out of ethnic segregation and alienation.
1: Now. Here is where the rant truly begins.
2: Hashtag Chris Grant rants.
1: Oh, yes. You're getting for a treat. Uh, Because now we're going to talk more about gangs in relation to African Americans. Mm. So, during the 1910s and 1920s, the great migration of more than one million blacks to the northern cities of America created large, extremely poor populations. And it also created an atmosphere conducive to gang formation. Now, you may ask, why did they automatically create poor neighborhoods? I'll tell you. Because the Great Migration, um, during the Great Migration, a tactic called redlining came into effect, meaning these residents in these suburban neighborhoods created zones where blacks could and could not live by either denying them bank loans, insurance plans, or employment options, which caused these people to pack more into into more dense and lower income areas. Mm. And in places where they were able to build stable neighborhoods, i.e. Black Wall Street, shameless plug, The residents were harassed and the neighborhoods were soon burned to the ground. Fuck. And and these newly developed black neighborhoods would more often than not be terrorized by outside white forces, which were all too common during the early 1900s in America, such as the New York City race riot of 1900s, prompting the creation of the Black Citizens Protective League, the Springfield, Ohio race riots of 1904 and 1906, Mm. the Atlanta race riot of 1906, the Brownsville, Texas race riot, of 1906. A lot went on during that year. The Pacific Coast Race Riot of 1907. The Springfield Race Riot of 1908. The Nationwide Race Riot of 1910 following Jack Johnson becoming the heavyweight champion of the world. Now let's skip forward to the Red Summer of 1919 where seven race riots occurred that year. Then there's the OC Race Riots. The Black Wall Street Race Riot of 1921. Shameless plug again. And these aren't even all the massacres that occurred. I just didn't have the heart to look up anymore because many of these cases, in many of these cases, hundreds of innocent black men, women, and children were slaughtered, most likely due to the false accusation of a black man raping a white woman. Look up Willie Brown if you want to see an extreme example of that. And just to be clear, when I say race riot, you know, most times they're not I mean the infiltration of white men into these black neighborhoods and the mass murder of black people within their own cities within their own towns and within their own houses
0: when you say infiltration of white men into black neighborhoods can you elaborate what that means
1: right so most times because these black people were packed into the same neighborhood into mm-hmm. these ghettos into these public mm-hmm. housings um, the white neighbors had an easy target when they when it came to you know where to find them mm-hmm. so um, if they were becoming more wealthy or if they were doing something that these neighbors didn't like um the neighboring towns would you know come into these ghettos come into these projects and you know, kill and oh. burn the, the towns. Shit. I mean, it's like someone from Brooklyn Beach coming to Harlem and just going crazy, and then going back to Brooklyn Beach. Like that's how it went.
2: That sounds less like an infiltration and more on like a like a full on fucking invasion. Yeah. I mean,
1: if yes, yes, it's, you know, it sounds so fucked I mean, up. And, and, and it's it's scary because you know I I am a product of redlining. I was born in the projects. My family was born in the projects. So you know, if this didn't if this stuff didn't dissipate, you know, mm-hmm. I could have been a victim. Wow. You know, so. Now where was I? <laughs> um, um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I was saying that the significant and rapid growth um, of the migration created large populations of black youth and in response formed tension within these neighborhoods between the authorities and the youth, encouraging gang formation. For example, the Chicago race riot of 1919, which gangs of white youth terrorized the black community, forced black youth to respond by forming self-protection groups. Now. Post World War II sparked the Second Great Migration yeah. during the late nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, and nineteen sixties. Black gangs such as the Devil's Disciples, the Black Pea Stones, and the Vice Lords were formed during this time. Now a little insight to the Second Great Migration. The first one was in response to the end of slavery and Jim Crow coming into effect and things such as that. The second Great Migration came along due to blacks finding better jobs working in factories up north rather than the the declining rural laboring jobs of the south. Mm -hmm. But guess what happened to the blacks living status as soon as they went up north? That's right, they got pushed right into the ghetto with the first group. And you see the second Great Migration was actually more massive in people than the first. So this new influx of African Americans not only affected white populations, but it also affected the black population from the first Great Migration. Living, uh, living in these densely packed, poverty-stricken neighborhoods for over 30 years already. And, like, imagine living in a closet, and, like, 10 new people come in, claiming to be Cousin Ray Ray and Aunt Berta, and they said we're going to move in. Guess what happens? More tension.
2: Yeah, and by the late 1960s, the construction of public housing in Chicago allowed gangs to consolidate their power in these black neighborhoods. And the vice lords, p and gangster disciples adopted and controlled the drug trade in the area. These and others emerged as super gangs, with more than a 1,000 members
1: wow. each by the, by the 1970s. 1,000 members That's each, a my God. Yeah. Now, why would a huge influx of black gangs form during this period, you ask? Because they're naturally evil, as some uh, Fox News outlets claim? Of course not. During this time, events such as the Civil Rights Movement, the Vietnam War, assassinations of high political figures, the Black Panther formation, and all of these were huge influences. Anti-Black violence on part of white youths directly contributed to Blacks forming self-protection societies that transformed into Black gangs by the late 1960s. Remember what I said about reoccurring themes, huh? People were afraid, and they felt they needed protection. And money, because again, most of these people were forced into these poor neighborhoods, so they sought to gain money and power by any means necessary. Mm. Now, I've mentioned the Black Party. Uh, I mentioned the Black Panthers, and I'd like to di- dive a little bit deeper into who they were. Now, the Black Panther Party, originally called the Black Panther Party for Self Defense, was a revolutionary political organization founded by Bobby Seale and Huey Newton in October 1966 in Oakland, California. At its inception on October 15, 1966, the Black Panther Party's core practice was its armed citizens patrol, aka cop watching, to monitor the behavior of officers of the Oakland Police Department and challenge police brutality within the city. In 1969, a variety of community social programs became its core activity. I mean the Panthers instituted the free breakfast for children programs to address food injustice and community health clinics for education and treatment of diseases including sickle cell anemia tuberculosis and later HIV and AIDS.
0: I think it's so interesting in a really awful way that this was totally hidden from my education completely even in college really Mm -hmm. it's like they have these textbooks that skew in the white perspective and we just cut out anything that could be deemed um, Corrupted in that white perspective, and that's so wrong because I was taught that the Black Panthers were really just violent, mm-hmm. really violent, and it's not that case. Like this, they did really good things for their community, and it's it's really awful that yeah. this is what we're teaching our youth instead of teaching them the correct thing, even if it makes the white perspective look bad.
2: Oh, this isn't the narrative we want to portray. Yeah. Uh, let's just let's, cut it out. Let's just cut it out or that's skew awful. it as much as possible.
0: That's so awful. The only thing I know about the Black Panthers was in the in the um the fuck in the 1940s i guess maybe that's not the black panthers never mind hold on
2: Take the only thing that i can remember from uh, the black panther party is like very little being taught in history class just yeah. they were like an extremist group yeah mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like anything that i was taught from forrest gump do
1: you see and a correlation with that in black lives matter it's when so it interesting fox news mm-hmm. giving their narrative fox news calls black lives matter a terrorist group Just like they called the Black Panthers a terrorist group. And it's
0: funny because far-right people, like my teacher was doing research, so she got far-right emails. They were saying, like, one of them was like, the Black Panthers are back (laughs) and they're, like, militant near, like, voting centers. They're trying to suppress your right to vote. Mm. And I'm like, now looking at this, like, that is so fucked up and so skewed. Mm -hmm. I I can't stand. See, this is why we need to talk about this. This is why we need to talk about this shit, you know?
1: Right. And um, also another thing that happened in 1969 Uh, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover. Yo,
0: fuck J. Edgar Hoover.
1: Oh, yes. Describe the party, get this, as, quote, the greatest threat to internal security of the country.
0: Now, I fucking hate J. Edgar Hoover for a variety of reasons. I think he was the worst FBI director we've ever had. He was just really dirty and scummy. And he actually had a few different problems with, like, race and uh, groups as the FBI director. He was known for these things called Palmer Raids, in which um, this group called the Greater Intelligence Division in 1919 conducted raids without search warrants and arrested hundreds of individuals for suspected radical groups.
2: Suspected. Suspected, Mm -hmm. so it's
0: like you, and he did this, and he was awful when it came to um, Lyndon B. Johnson being president, he always tried to look at like the negative things Mm -hmm. of the civil rights movement. And I'm just going to mention this here. Uh, they think J. Edgar Hoover was also gay, Yeah. which is right. interesting for the time period. Uh, yeah, when the FBI directors like leave, I guess they just take home sensitive documents sometimes.
2: Which is totally not cool. It's just yeah.
0: like if you don't want something to be seen, you just take it home with you. And so there was a bunch of those in his garage, but also what they found with that was a picture of him and I think his assistant mm. in matching pajamas like holding each other. Cute. Mm. So it's like, I think... Part of it is like he hated himself for who he was so much he decided oh, to go yeah. after another group. Oh yeah. To like, you know, put his hate somewhere.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Towards him and his assistant in matching pajamas holding each other, cute. Yeah. <laughs> but towards everything else, not so cute. Mm,
0: he, was, right. he was he fucking was fucking awful. Jagger Hoover is like one of I think the worst political figures we've ever oh, had. Yes.
2: So uh
0: I will be doing an episode on him, yes.
2: yes. Al- no, like all together on three? Oh one one, two, three. two, three. Fuck, Fuck Jagger J. Hoover. Hoover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that all right.
1: <laughs> now, what was I saying? Ah, all right. Uh, Hoover fuck developed, him. right? Fuck Hoover. Hoover fuck developed Hoover. and supervised an extensive counterintelligence program called COINTELPRO of surveillance, infiltration, perjury, police harassment, and many other tactics Mm-mm. designed to undermine, dismantle, incriminate, and assassinate Black Panther partyship, uh, pe- Black Panther party leadership and uh party members that's
0: fucking horrible
1: now the very program hoover created um was responsible for the assassination of fred hampton who was a prominent leader and activist of the group now what were fred hampton's crimes quote unquote right this is what he did he taught the youth of chicago about politics he taught the youth of chicago to protect themselves he taught them about financial management and in response to this Hampton's house was raided in the middle of the night on December 4th, 1969, and he was shot multiple times by the local police as he slept in his bed with his pregnant wife, nine months pregnant, laying beside him, blood all over the room. And during that raid, his friend, party party member, um, Panther member, excuse me, Mark Clark, was also shot and killed. And after such things as that and more police involvement and harassment, the party uh, dismantled in the uh, 1980s. But in spite of it all, it did influence many black youth in inner cities, uh, black youth such as Raymond Washington.
2: In the late 1960s, Washington, now a teenager, admired the Black Panthers and their attempt to bring social change through their militant positions. Washington
1: sought to emulate these tactics, eventually joining the Avenue Street Gang, led by Craig Munson. Now, Washington later got into a fight with Munson's brother and afterwards decided to leave the gang and start his own group, along with his friend Stanley Tookie Williams. They ended up creating the Baby Avenues Gang. The youthful aspect of the gang's membership then led to them adopting the name the Avenue Cribs, which eventually became the Crips. Washington's initial mission for the Crips was to help the community help the community the same way the Panthers helped theirs. Even Tookie Williams himself stated that, quote, he founded the Crips not with the intention of eliminating other gangs, but to create a forceful, uh, force powerful enough to protect local black people from racism, corruption, and brutality at the hands of the police, end quote. However, they both would soon find that their dream would become a nightmare. Mm. Washington ended up going to jail in 1974 which led to Tookie Williams uh, taking full control and the Crips began to turn more violent in their pursuit to convert more and more rival gangs to join them the response to the Crips would eventually become the Bloods members of other gangs who feared the Crips conversion tactics and banded together to stop them to show dominance and power these two gangs would do outlandish criminal acts such as uh, harming the innocent you know stealing killing and uh, this would become the most violent and deadly gang rivalry in America.
0: So let me get this straight: when the first Great Migration occurred, many whites felt intimidated due to the rising populations of African Americans attempting to move into their suburban neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So that was a chain reaction that led to countless race riots in the country, mm-hmm. and that was a chain reaction that led to minorities forming these gangs to protect their neighborhoods and communities.
1: Yes, and mm. in turn, the gangs that were that the gangs that formed, uh, the gangs that were formed to protect the neighborhoods, lived in poverty. And with poverty becomes desperation. And with desperation comes crime. Mm. And so these forces ultimately turn what was meant to be good into self-destruction. I mean, look at plays such as A Raisin in the Sun, a family impacted by redlining and poverty. Um, you know, and in their, in their attempt to break free from it, they meet heavy resistance and overwhelming internal conflict.
0: When you were mentioning redlining, the first thing I thought of was the play A Raisin in the Sun.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's one of the great examples uh, of that and it's in chicago where most of this was you know forming and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, the late great august wilson even stated in an interview with charlie rose that the first great migration was the worst mistake african-americans had ever made and looking at its outcome you know i can't make a good counterpoint against this claim however with a balance to that during the reconstruction era in the south new laws such as jim crow Mm -hmm. and new terrorist groups such as the kkk forced blacks to move up north and spread throughout the country to avoid further persecution. However, a fish cannot escape the whale once it's already inside, you know? Now, gang versus gang violence can never have a clear-cut origin story, but some OGs, such as OG Crip Monster Cody, tells us stories in, like, a YouTube video about how Uh, a specific beef started between two rival gangs that still exist today and to make a long story short it all revolves around one petty incident creating another petty incident which created a never-ending cycle of revenge and that's all that gang related activity is never-ending cycles divulging from issues that could have been solved by simply walking away wow so now you have kids today who derive from a gathering that once claimed that they will die for the color of their skin who now claim that I will die to preserve the color of my flag. And it saddens me because it was never supposed to be this way. Yeah. Um, And you know, this, uh, I have a little conspiracy theory. Um, This is all me, I don't have any credible sources to back this up, it's just my conspiracy. I think America's the greatest manipulator, the greatest brainwasher on earth. And I believe that, you know, there might've been some influences, Mm. you know, think about crack, think about AIDS. Yeah. fuck ronald reagan because i believe all those were created by the government government to destroy those communities mm. um gay community black community so i believe some some you know some cops some people came in and said hey you know that gang they said you guys were punks oh really and you know because things that were like look things that were made for good even tookie williams you know they got skewed they, they got skewed you know yeah. i'm i i do not know bunch yeah. of bs but the rest is history And you take,
2: like, this whole skewed narrative thing. uh, Sorry, I didn't want to end it, like, right there. Like, (laughs) you can take the whole skewed narrative thing and really fuck up a lot of history Mm -hmm. if you're only getting things from, like, one source or or from, like, uh, one point of view. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, even with us, like, we have our own biases. We have our own opinions. And you should definitely, like, look into the things that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, we aren't the end-all, be-all... Of history,
0: Yeah, we try to have a non-biased perspective, but I'll always have a little bit of bias yeah. because of my own feelings, and you'll always have a little bit of yeah, bias because yeah. your own, but we try to make it the information as non-biased and yeah. then just import our feelings later, but yeah.
2: Like when we're making these episodes, we get like a bunch of different sources yeah. so that like if one contradicts the other, it's like, hmm, who do I really believe? Right. Yeah. So get different sources, whether it's uh, the news that you consume or uh, pieces of history or just random facts. Like... Double check everything and make sure it's true. Yeah, vet them. Yeah. Vet your sources. Because like not everyone is credible and not everyone is going to tell you the truth and not everyone is going to tell you the unbiased truth. Yeah. Right.
0: So thank you, Chris, for coming on and finishing off this month of podcast episodes with yours. I am very happy that you had this on here. I hadn't learned anything about this beforehand and I think Same. it's something that's really important to talk yeah. about yeah. and discuss. So thank you for ending our month this way. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, make sure to follow Chris Grant, the actor, on Instagram. And, yeah. you know, um, we'll probably have him on for some more because we've yeah. really enjoyed our time together this month.
1: Yeah. Very cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, And until next time.
1: Bye-bye. bye-bye. Oh, I
0: didn't do the whole fuck. If you... Oh, damn it. I forgot to oh, do the shit, whole thing. Our
2: entire outro that okay. we completely forgot to I'll do. I'll put that
0: in here. If you'd like to... What do I say? If you'd like to request future episodes, you can DM us on Twitter at FastPass1 and follow us, please. I want to get more followers. Or you could email us at FastPassPodcast at gmail.com. If you want any sources for any of the episodes, you can also email us or DM us. We have them. And some are even in MLA format. So what about that? Mm. And until next time,
2: -bye. bye bye